Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know what I want. <laughs> Not Samson, Greg. Not Samson. Not what? Not Samson. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Outside Looking In, the podcast series wherein I, Samson Folk, talk to, it's not going to end up being 29, this is one of the last recordings, but I talk to a bunch of people about the Raptors and the team in their market, and uh, so you can learn about the Raptors, what people think about them, and the league at large. Today, my dear friend Baker, this is our second time recording this because we're talking about the Celtics. The first one we recorded we're talking about a team that had a bunch of things change for them. Marcus Smart is gone. Chris Tapps Porzingis is in. You know, it's it's a bunch of change. And then we record a few days later. You know, there's a backlog of these episodes. They get Drew Holiday. So it's been in flux. I just, let's get your first reaction to that because we're talking about all new stuff now. The trades. Or wait, how are you doing first, Baker? How rude of um, me. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm happy to be back, but uh, it's been a spooky, it's been a bad 12 hours of my sports life, if I'm being honest. Man, tough scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's focus on the good. People, there's an arms race in the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee obviously did a great thing for their franchise, getting Dame. And the Celtics, they anteed up. They said, okay, let's do something. There's a bit of fallout because of what happened with Portland. Portland is trying to allocate assets in the right way. They look at Robert Williams as the centerpiece of a package. They say, hell yeah, let's punch the ticket. Drew Holiday comes to Boston. He's like, they care more about the little things here, man. You know, they're champions. This is that culture. Even though he came from Milwaukee where he was a champion. But early thoughts. Early thoughts. uh, Brad Stevens literally... Breaks my heart for the second time <laughs> with the trade, <laughs> um, trading trading Marcus Smart and Robert Williams in one offseason. Like I don't know what, like I don't know how I'm feeling right now. But uh, um, honestly, honestly speaking, Drew Holiday is a is a great addition. Um, when when they tra- traded him for Portland, I I advocated for him to be traded for to Boston. Um, so because I think the fit um, is very good. Alongside Derek White and uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Chris Porzingis. Um and you know he's the perfect Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart replacement. You know you're getting a guy who's an all defensive guard, who who's better offensively. You know in in, in spacing in a spacing standpoint, and um, you know can basically like fill in you know a lot of the defensive responsibilities that Marcus Smart um, was doing. So um, I think fit wise, this is perfect. Uh, but, um, you know, there's still a lot of question marks with the team. And, you know, the big man depth is definitely now, like, the biggest question mark now. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. Um, Drew, Drew's a good player. Um, I think him with Derek White is going to be a very fun defensive backcourt. 
And, you know, I expect this team to go back to their defensive identity that made them so formidable in 2022. So what you and I talked about on the last episode that didn't get published was it kind of seemed like the Celtics championship hopes rested on the shoulders of mostly Jason Tatum's step from MVP vote getter to like MVP winner type. And we talked about playmaking. We'll talk about it a little bit more during this podcast down the road. But it seems like to me the trades that Boston made, ceiling for Chris Stapps, obviously, ceiling when it comes to Drew. These are ceiling trades. You're losing some depth. You're betting on Chris Stapps and Horford as a front court. That's a lot of bet on health. And not that Robert Williams has been super healthy lately, and there's a conversation about his knee and kind of what happened down the stretch of the finals run, but they're making a bet on health to help them reach ceiling. Do you think that was the right decision? Or do you think, like, because from the outside looking in towards you, it seems like they weren't expecting to get over the hump because they've been to the finals, man. They're close every year, forever, every year. Yeah. And. So they try and get over the hump. Do you think that was the right decision? Um, I see why Brad, um, you know, pulled the trigger. Uh, he, you know, something had to give. Uh, you're seeing a lot of the same problems that this team has had for like a, a bunch of years, which is, you know, late game execution. You know, uh, just failure to you know execute down the stretch of games when games get nip and tuck so i just think he wanted to just hit the reset button and just like try his try one more swing to see like if you know the jays and you know this team could get over the hump because you know this core has been a like before the before the smart trade this core has been together for like a while like for about six seven years and in those six, seven years, you know, you've only been to the finals one time and, you know, you lost in six to Golden State. So I think he's seeing like, he's seeing the, the, the trajectory and he's like, I think he just took a swing on these players that, you know, hopefully can get, get us over the hump because, you know, Chris Stapps is a, is a gamble and Drew, you know, while he's more of a constant, you know, He's getting up there in age, so you you never know like well, what's up with him. So um, I think it's a it was a good gamble. I think um, Brad traded for got good value for the players that he got, and um, you know and he got really good value for the players he sent away. So um, I think it's it goes hand in hand. I I think ultimately it'll work out fine because you know the team has good continuity, and you know you have two guys who are you know or due for like they're due for 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 some success like you can't just keep knocking on the door yeah and you know just like not like kick it in at some point so i believe that they they can they can get over the hump it's just it's, it's just it's just like this is a big question mark in terms of health and um execution that, that's all it comes down to at this point at this point it is they're an interesting makeup the roster because and especially when you talk about trades getting good value, I think anybody like Marcus Smart obviously had some intrinsic value to Boston, the franchise, the fan base, because he's, you know, the first guard to win defensive player of the year since MJ. He's been like the centerpiece of what they do defensively, even though I'm sure people would make the case that Tatum had started to outpace him as far as like defensive impact. 
it's incredible how good Tatum is defensively while also being an offensive superstar, by the way. But um, yeah. when we when we look at Marcus Smart, having a guard rotation that no longer has him and it just means more pos- more possessions, more minutes spread across Derek White, Andrew Holiday, I really like Marcus Smart. I think he's an underrated playmaker, but I think it's fair to say they upgraded. And also, when we look at their wings, it's it's like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is as good as anybody in the in the league as far as the wings. And then front court, as you mentioned on the podcast we did last time, Chris Dapps played a full season for the first time in a long time, his most games in like five years. Hopefully that's trending in a good direction for them. And Robert Williams is a tough bet for health anyway. It seems like these are risks. But these risks weren't made against continuity of the old team. They were made against the risks of the old team, which is, I think, the right decision making to go by. It's like, well, you didn't trade Horford because he's been the constant. And at least Horford can be there if Chris Stapps is up and down or whatever. Or if he wins against Father Time once again, because he does that every year now. It's incredible. It's incredible, man. Yeah. And then Drew for... People get frustrated with some of Drew's offensive decision-making fine. He did get, like, the playoffs last year didn't go super well for him. Jimmy had an unbelievable series, but he's a constant. He's around all NBA-level defense. He's at least a positive offensively. And Derek White, I think, has been he's been underrated since he came into the league. He was really underrated with the Spurs. Raptors fans were like, damn, when they traded for Thad, and then Boston got Derek. Everybody was like, why the hell didn't we get Derek <laughs> instead of that? He's really good. He's really this team good, has man. a super, a super, super high potential. They just need things to break right. Yeah. I do want to talk. Go ahead. Quick point on quick point on Derek White. Um, last season was probably the best I've ever seen him play. And it's and it was to the point where I thought like they should have sent four first round picks for <laughs> instead of two, because it was it was unbelievable. Like the way he was shooting the ball, the way he was playing defense, it was unbelievable. So I expect and he's and he cut and he shaved his head in this season. So I'm expecting big things. <laughs> welcome, welcome home, brother. See, but that's the thing too, right? Is um I know Dejounte was who the Spurs ended up giving all the possessions to, and he was younger, I believe. And Dejounte ended up making an All Star game, was putting up these. Big, big counting stats, like assists, rebounds, points. But as far as like impact and return on investment for giving a guy possessions, Derek White was always there with DeJounte. And just because of the way the Spurs went, he became less and less important because he he didn't have the big sexy numbers for trade value. And the team wasn't very good. Boston made an incredible trade to get him. And I think they're making a really good bet on being able to get more possessions out of him. Because he was a guy, you know, you're like, it seems like he's being underutilized. And then he gets more utilized and you're like, "Mm, I think there's a little bit more we can get from there. So there's a lot of potential here. We'll kind of dig down on it a little bit more. But before we go more on Boston, Raptors, baby. Now, as, as I've said before, you pay close attention because you have a lot of friends in Toronto. Uh, Myself, the fellas, we talk every day. We, uh, we crack a lot of jokes. Sometimes it seems you pay attention to Raptors basketball so you can make fun of us. But hey, you know about the team regardless. 
after media day, after the offseason, how do you feel about the Raptors? Oh, man. After hearing your media day questions, man, I can't <laughs> wait for what's in store. <laughs> Honestly, like, I'm not, like, I'm not, I don't have any gaudy expectations, to be honest. Um, I think last year um, I had too many expectations and they ended up letting me down. So, um, <laughs> so I don't want to go down that road again. But um, I think uh, this team's just like a huge enigma this season. I can't really put my finger on it because um, they have good players, but at the same time, I don't think it fits well. Um, you know, they're ask they're, um, you know, this, there's so many question marks around who's going to be on the team, who's not going to be on the team, who's, like, going to have a good year. I, I don't know um, if, you know, Pascal doesn't have an extension, OG doesn't have an extension, Gary Trent doesn't have an extension. Um, you know, this is a huge, this is a big year for Scotty um, in terms of just improvement of last year because he wasn't as good. Um, in his rookie season, but um, and you know you have like some new guys coming. You have you have Grady Dick coming in. You know a, a good rookie, a nice rookie that you picked in the lottery. So um, and then you have like your free agent guys, Dennis Schroeder, Jaden McDaniel's. You know Otto Porter is healthy. He's coming back. So there's just a lot of like there's just a lot of unknowns. Well, with this team. Let's let's think. What do you think is known? Like, is when known, you think, um, yeah. Um, I expect Pascal to be good. He's gonna be playing for he's gonna be playing for max money, so he's definitely gonna be like, um, he's definitely gonna try to actually like play to the best of his ability. Um, same with OG, he he's he's playing for an extension too. So, um, I expect those two to actually like you know be where they they've been at you know like solid players you know do their jobs. But I think the biggest thing is you know how are they going to like. How are they going to function without Fred? That's my thing because I think Fred's impact last year was, even though he he wasn't as good as he was in his All Star season, I think his impact is going to be missed as uh, at a spacing span at yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of a spacing standpoint, and you know, I know he wasn't the best at the point of attack last year, but I thought he was like I thought he was okay enough. You know to stop like opposing guards, and I think um Dennis, while Dennis is a is a good option at that point, they're gonna miss Fred spacing so much. So, um I think how they'll look without Fred, what Scotty looks like, how the how how certain lineups will work because this the spacing on this team looks very bleak, on paper. But um I expect a good year from Pascal. I expect a good year for OG. But um, other than that, I I'm I'm not sure at all. It's it's a big enigma for me. Like I said, I can't think really of a team that was hoping to be good, that had less of a less sure shooting on the roster. Like if you reference back to some players, you know if they've shot well in the past, how well have they shot recently? And if they've shot well recently, is that mostly on wide open shots? Are these self-created looks? Are these, you know, three-point shots in motion off of screens? Like, the Raptors, for a team that wants to be good, are very, very low on movement shooting, very, very low on volume three-point shooting, and very, very low on pull-up three-point shooting. And they have some guys who will definitely, 
there's going to be a couple guys on the roster who shoot well in catch and shoot situations. Um, some guys can improve. Some guys can be better. I think it would be overly optimistic to just assume across the board, everyone will improve. It's a little self-indulgent, right? It's like my team is the team where everything works. But as far as like track record, you're looking at a team that has very, very little shooting. How they work around that, it remains to be seen. Darko has ideas. He talks about working on the high post more. I'm very interested to see how that works out because typically high post actions, yes, they revolve around a good passing big. The Raptors have a glut of those. Jakob, Pascal, Scotty can all run stuff out of the high post. But high post is usually also partnered with movement shooters. The Raptors have Gary. OG is a really good shooter. I'm very happy he plays for the Raptors. I love covering his game, but he's not a movement shooter. Otto Porter can sometimes, but it's been yeah. like a year. And even yeah. on the even on the Warriors, he was mostly catch and shoot, right? Um, yeah. they, it's just very little movement shooting to kind of grease those wheels. So the Raptors are kind of going like against type. They're going a little bit ahistorical, which doesn't guarantee a bad outcome. It just means that there's less proven things to lean on. And so we're in the unknown with this yeah. team, which is an interesting place to be. It's why there's so much speculation about them. I, I know you see it within the fan base. A lot of divergent views, like 50 wins versus 27. Most teams don't have that range of predictions. Yeah. The Celtics certainly don't. People probably yeah. think like 49 wins and 54, like somewhere between there. Um yeah. The Raptors having like a 20 win swing in people, their predictions is like kind of crazy. Yeah. We'll see though. Um, as far as like Pascal Siakam, I know you watch some of Media Day. What what do you think about uh, his lack of mentions? What do you think about the conversations that were had about him? Um, it's tough because I've never seen an, an all-NBA player not be rewarded for what he's done. I, it, makes no, it makes no sense to me at all. Usually, like, all these all-NBA guys around the league, they get, like, I mean, teams have treated them with so much, like, glowing, glowing empathy and respect. Like, DeMontis Sabonis just got to Sacramento, like, two, for, like, two seasons. And he plays all NBA caliber, and they they instantly sign him to an extension. Like, why has why haven't they resigned him? Like, that's my question. Like, if they if Masai really likes him and really believes in him, then why why aren't you why didn't you extend him? Like, and also like, and he wants to be there. That's the that's the that's the that's the crazy part too. Like, he actually wants to be there, and you haven't like. You're 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 continuing to just just wait and wait and wait until like he's gonna be he's gonna be free a free agent next summer at some point. So I think how they've how they've handled his situation has been pretty weird. Um, you know they haven't traded him you know to any destination that I've seen reported. Um, but part of the reason because like I don't I don't think they want to move him. But at some point, like this, 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 this core, this, uh, this front, this front office has to make a decision, because you have three, like you said, like immediately, you have three guys, you have three core guys, on on expiring deals, like, 
and that's very, very uncharacteristic. Um, especially when they're one guy is an All NBA guy, another guy is a is an All Defensive Player. So it's it's, I I know I see his frustration. You know he's not being rewarded for his, his very good play. He's still a very good player. He's very underrated. I don't think people talk enough about how good he is. Um, so. I think he's frustrated. I understand, but you know how how the Raptors have handled this whole situation is very weird. It is. Um, I had some pushback, and like pushback is fine. There's competing conceptions of what's happening, but I saw people reference like rookie scale extensions. I saw people reference restricted free agency extensions, and the Raptors not even talking. And that's why that's why I asked Masai that question was. I wanted the clear answer on Pascal specifically. Why haven't you talked to or offered an extension? Like you could say we offered it. Pascal's trying to get the super max and everybody would be like, that's fine. But you haven't saying we need to see something first. It's just, there's not a lot of precedence for it. And as I mentioned with like the three expiring contracts thing, typically when teams are stacking expiring contracts that they want to keep like assets. It's when they have a small cap hit, you know, it's like that Steph Curry thing, right? Like if there's a small cap hit, you opt out and then you can sign like somebody huge. And then you sign your big thing after them. You're making use of bird rights, but Scotty or sorry, Gary, OG, Pascal, like these are big, big cap hits anyway. So, um, it doesn't really speak to flexibility. It more so speaks to it being kind of like a nebulous situation. I'm very interested to see how it shakes out. At the very least, though, I think they're going to have a very good defense um, yeah, throughout the course of the sure. season. Um, I'm curious. This is what I want to ask you, too. I talked to Aaron Edwards. He's a great stand-up comic, and he also does the podcasting over at um, Locked On Suns. And he said that he saw what the Raptors were doing. And it made sense to build their defense this way for Boston, for Milwaukee. And obviously, both those teams have changed. And their defense is better equipped for Boston now, more so than Milwaukee. But um, what do you make of the defense, building it out, just big, big, big guys? Um, I think it should improve a little bit than last year um you know they they were very inconsistent last season so i expect a big i expect a a better output um especially with now like you have like a full season of Jakob in the uh, in the fold um and also you know you have a lot more bodies um auto porter mcdaniels precious um you're bringing back og you're bringing back pascal so i think you know they have the bodies you know to have a top 10 defense, maybe even a top five if if other guys, you know, play out of their minds. But, um, yeah, this, this, this team definitely has the personnel and the depth, you know, to really hang with a lot of teams defensively. It's just, um, will, will the offense hurt the defense a little bit like it did last year? You know, you're not getting – yeah, you're not getting enough – offensive possessions where you're, where it's resulting in points and then like you're going back on the other end and then you're you're sp- expending all this energy on defense and then g- guys start to crack and guys start to like give up back doors and you know blow buys and you know guys are curling off you know screens and you know they're getting wide open looks so 
my my question is like can can they can their offense be stable enough for them to still be formidable on defense because that's that's the thing across all sports like like last like last night I'm, I'm watching my football team they can't score any points and you know the other teams just walking down the field scoring every time because you know the offense isn't doing anything you know even though I want the defense to make stops but you know you can't like at some point like we're all like these are human beings like you know everybody's gonna get fatigued if you if you're expending so much energy on one end so um they have the personnel for an elite defense you know my question is is like can their offense be competent enough for them to like for them to not have any cracks you know defensively Mm -hmm. like they did last year that's a good point and that's darko was asked about that at, at media day right he's like you know how big a rotation do you think you need he didn't put a number on it but you wonder if the Raptors, like, coming into this season, Thaddeus Young, if the Raptors had made certain moves, he probably would have gotten a million dollars and been cut. But now this season, and particularly because of the play style I expect they'll be leaning into, he could be, they could be going like 11 deep every game and having a lot of inter, like, having a lot of guys be interchangeable the through the three and the five and you know obviously Jakob is going to handle a lot of minutes at the five Christian Coloco still has the respiratory issues we'll see what happens there but three through five there should be a lot of guys who can come in and just give you minutes and I wonder if they cut down the minutes a lot for a guy like Pascal down to like 34 or something maybe 33 and there's just a bunch of guys and like I don't know we'll see it should be very interesting. A guy like Jalen McDaniels, maybe maybe he pops off. Maybe he doesn't. And if Jalen doesn't, then maybe you get a good year from Chris Boucher. And if Chris doesn't, then maybe you get a good year from Precious Chua. And if Precious doesn't, like, there's just like a list, a hodgepodge of guys. It's a trickle effect, yeah. Yeah, and so you just have to hope that these guys all are utilized correctly. And as you said, the big thing is not only you can help if you get back on defense, even after you miss, like that's an effort thing. That's a buy-in thing. You need to be able to do that. But also you need to make the other team pull the ball out of their own bucket and start slower. And the Raptors, will see what they can cook up and craft to make sure that, you know, they get a little bit more rest and they can get into their shell and they can call out coverages without being cross-matched and without having to do it as everyone's coming up the court at the same time. It's a lot easier to organize five guys against five guys than it is 10 guys altogether. I guess we'll see. Um, One thing I want to talk about, because truthfully, the Celtics did go from less of a depth team to more of a starting lineup team. Um, There is one guy I want to talk about with you, our brother, Mr. Jordan, Mr. Walsh. Uh, Great hair on that guy. Big shout out. Um, What do you think about him for this upcoming season? I'm excited, man. Seeing um seeing what I saw in summer league made me very optimistic because in college you know Arkansas wasn't a wasn't a very good spacing team um and uh, he wasn't really able to like showcase what he could actually do um but in his first summer league game he looked like like he hit his first three and I'm just saying like what. <laughs> And then he hit another, and then he hits another one, and another one, and another one, and he's playing good defense. 
He's, you know, running in transition. He has very tremendous playmaking feel for somebody his size. Um, so I'm expecting very good things. Um, if he could just um, step into, like, that Grant Williams role a little bit, you know, be, you know, hit his threes in the corners when, you know, when Tatum and Brown, you know, collapse the defense. Um, play play some elite perimeter defense because, you know, this team now, like, has... I think it, it should go back to its defensive identity a little bit, and I think he can very. I think his his with his size and length, they could definitely weaponize him into being somebody very scary to match up on on the, on the perimeter, you know, because he can he his defensive activity is like insane. <laughs> um, I know it's summer league, um, you know, and there's not much like you know competition there, but he looked pretty good, and um, I'm I'm very excited to see what he does. Um, you know, out on the court because um, there's there's there is definitely avenues for him to get playoff minutes because right now the bench it's really up for grabs for anybody to be in the playoff rotation at this moment because there's no like there's no there's no sure eight, seventh eighth man right now so he could definitely step in if he could hit at a at a thirty four thirty five percent clip I think that could work and you know if his defense checks out. I think this team can be very, 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 very dangerous. So when I was watching him at Summer League as well, like not only is he, you know, you guys seem faster in person. You get down to court level, they yeah. move quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but his activity is pretty nuts. He he can go. And also, like, he has really great technique, especially at the point of attack. Some guys just don't have it. Some guys have athleticism and they're really sloppy. They The term a lot of people hear is like you open the gate. Um, he keeps it closed a lot of the yeah. time. Like he knows when to slide. It's just, he's very impressive. And then going from a guy who you talked about the three-point shot, Arkansas was a really weird configuration. Anthony Black was like their lead guard too. They were yeah. constantly trying to carve out spacing without having much of it. Unique team. I think Jordan shot like 27, 28% from yeah, the college bad. line. Um, but Raptors Raptors fans have seen quite a few guys go from like, they don't shoot well at college. They make the jump immediately. Yeah. It's not, it's not super uncommon these days. Like some guys, they figure it out with an NBA staff. They make the jump pretty quickly. OG is a really good example of a guy who bad in college, good first year on low volume. Um, I don't expect Jordan to be high volume, but... Like defensive activity, willing cutter, very clearly has finishing chops. And if the jumper comes around, then he can start to um, kind of create some of those like cat and mouse games of the closeout and the chase. Yeah. I'm really excited to see how he can carve it out because yeah. he was one of the bright spots of summer league. Like he really popped off. Yeah. Um, is there anybody on the Raptors, just as a final thing before we get out of here, who excites you? That's kind of what I want to know. Probably Grady Dick, and you know, yeah, that's probably it. Because um, uh, you know, wait, he can was I ask you a question? Them. Is that yeah, is sure. that because we're annoying about him and we're like Grady? We a can't little, wait to see him. A yeah, little, a little bit, but um, but um, he's a very he's a very interesting player. He's uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit. You know, he's a lot taller than him, but um, you know, Corey Kispert a little bit, but not not too much. But because you know, different skill sets, but um. Uh, but yeah, he's he's a tremendous three point shooter. Like his his um his mechanics are very good. He, he gets the ball off quick. Um, you know, 
I think his I think his lateral movement is better than like you know people think. Um, especially you know when he's cutting, you know when he's um attacking a closeout. Um, I think he has good feet, um, footwork, and um, I think I think if he can be passable on def- defense, he's going to be a very good player this season. Um, uh, it just it just d- depends on like how good of a shooter he can actually be this season, and if he can be like what people you know make him out to be, then this team actually can can have a lot of bright spots, you know, especially with a player like he, him. So, um, yeah, he's a very good shooter. I'm excited to see, like, how he how he looks, you know, because, you know, he had some up and down, ups and downs in Summer League, but, uh, you know, his, his, his game is not very built for that. Um, so I'm excited to see him and, you know, and a, a little bit, and a little bit to see like what Scotty does this season a little bit, because um, um, he had a very underwhelming season last year, and I'm really interested to see how he adjusts. Um, you know, now like with um Darko saying like he's gonna be the point guard, um, this this season, so I kind of want to see how that looks like. Um, I read your piece about like how he looked in pick and roll this season, last season, so um, I'm very interested to see if they use more of I think if he rejects more screens, see what that looks like, because I thought he had a lot of success doing that. So I'm excited to see those two. Um, you know, they're the, probably the two young guys that I'm most intrigued by. Um, other than that, like everybody else, you know, I'm just, you know, I think I expect a lot of the same. You know, Pascal is going to be good. OG's going to be good. Dennis is going to be, you know, what he's been. Um, Jakob's going to be what he's been, you know, Gary's going to provide some good spacing. So I think a lot of the team is just like, you know, they're going to be what they are. It's just, I think those two are the wild cards for this mm-hmm. team to see like what they actually do. And and rookies rarely, rarely do they come in and have like positive impact right away. But Grady is one of those guys who you look at the marriage between skill set and team. He's one of the guys who you say, well, if he does pop off, nobody's going to hold him back from minutes because a lot of times like players are very evidently good but sometimes teams are able to you know create like or just develop players at the same position and a guy will be kind of you know he'll he'll have less opportunity but Grady if he is good if he does make the adjustment to the NBA level right away then we're looking at like this is a guy who very easily can find his way to minutes so I'm really interested in that too. Okay, last question is where does Jason Tatum finish in MVP voting this year? Oh, that's so tough. Oh my god. Um I don't know why, but like every season these past three years, I've picked Luca to win. Like <laughs> I've I've just picked him to win because I keep thinking like the Mavs are gonna be good enough. He's gonna have the stats and he's gonna win the he's gonna win the award. But he just doesn't. I don't know why. And I keep doing it every year, but um, honestly, this season, I think he finishes top three, in my opinion. Um, I think this team is very good spacing wise. Um, Drew, I expect a lot of a lot more improvement from him in in, uh, in the areas that he really doesn't use a lot. Uh, I expect a lot of him in the mid post operating, making quick decisions, um, less work on the perimeter a little bit which I don't which I don't think will happen but I hope that happens because um I think if he starts like somewhere in the mid post or like somewhere 
or catching the ball like at the at the free throw line or somewhere like other than the th- other than behind the arc and then him having to work his way to the rim i think just him finding some easier lanes to just like operate i think that'll be key for him um you know the pull up shooting was very bad last year so i hope it it actually just you know you know re- kind of like doesn't regress but like kind of regresses back to like where it goes where it was before positive regression yeah yeah positive regression yeah so um uh yeah i think um i'm expecting a big season he probably won't average 30 because you know there's a lot of players on this team now so i expect maybe like 29 but uh um but yeah i think they'll have the wins i think he'll have the impact um and i and i guess he'll be like in the running i, I don't think he'll win um because I do think uh, guys like Luka, Jokic, possibly Giannis, you know, now being with Dame, he, he might have an insane season. So I think guys like that will probably be at the top. But um, I think if he, I think if he like can actually like string together a consistent few months of play, and you know keep like you know going, 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 you know not having the stinkers that he usually has, I think he has a very good shot. But um. I always like seem to just say, "Luke is my MVP." <laughs> so, because like I, he's very, he's like one of my favorite players to watch. Like I don't know why, because people people ask me like why. It's just like when you watch him play, he's 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 like he plays like in slow motion he's when you genius. watch him on television, and he just gets to where he wants to go, and it's like. It's like kind of like how I want to play, you know, when I'm playing <laughs> basketball. Like, just don't speed, don't don't play so fast. Just play at your own pace, and you know you're gonna get to your spots anyway. So that's why I kind of like him. That's why I always keep picking him for MVP. So yeah. Well, bookmarked. We'll revisit this. Hopefully, um, Lewis wrote a great piece for the Five Thirty Eight about how good a pairing he and Kyrie are. They really fit together wonderfully. I guess yeah. we'll see, but um, I guess we'll leave it there, Baker. Thank you so much for coming on. People, no thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. There'll be more Baker on the podcast this season. He he's a Celtics guy and a Wizards guy. There you have your where you live versus like the team you like best. Sometimes you can't choose, can, you know. Can we do one thing? What's can that? I do one thing? I kinda I, I've been saving this because I, I, I don't know if I've had the courage to actually like like propose it. But um I kind of want to propose something a little, a little okay. bit, a little bit for for you, for me, and for all for you and like the chat. Okay. So, I think the Wizards will have a a pretty good season this year. I know, like, I know everybody doesn't really think so, and Vegas has their win total at like twenty four, which is I think is nuts. If the Wizards have a better, have more wins than the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna make, I wanna make something on those lines. You can pick the, you can pick the what's it called the. Okay. You can pick the the parameters on that, like the you know the winnings or whatever. Sure. But I want to propose. I want to propose that. Okay, we'll iron it out. We'll revisit this the next time we record. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe the first Raptors Wizards game or whatever. We'll do a podcast previewing it. But 100%. I'm happy to be on the other side of that one. That's a good bet. <laughs> Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling I'm feeling very courageous. <laughs> good, good. Okay, yeah. yeah. We'll shake on that. Raptors versus Wizards in the win total. Um all right, Baker. Thank you. Listeners, thank you. We hope oh, you wow. enjoyed it. <laughs> A couple more of these to come uh before 
you know, it's just regular preseason talk, but okay. Bye, everybody. We'll see you.